0: I'm more excited to be talking to you about task management. You are going to love it. We have to accept that tech is coming into the world and we have to prepare our our pupils for the real world.
1: This method is really a game-changing way of invigilating, to be honest. Welcome to the Surpass Community podcast.
0: Hello
2: and welcome to the Surpass Community healthcare webinar where we will be talking all things healthcare and assessment. Uh, Later on, I'm going to be joined by the UK Medical Awarding organisations. The Royal College of Ophthalmologists and the Royal College of Pediatrics and Child Health, who will tell us all about their experiences with remote proctoring, both during the pandemic and then what they're planning to do next. But first, I am very proud to welcome uh, Lynn Shindel, Senior Program Manager from the American Academy of Neurology, uh, Melissa Billings, Director of Test Development Technology, uh, and uh, from the National Board of Medical Examiners, NBME and Dr Isber Ali Farzan, uh, Director of Assessment from the National Board of Certified Counselors. Uh, good morning everyone and thank you for joining us. Now before we get started, to those who are watching online, thank you for joining us and if you would like to post any questions uh, to our panellists throughout, uh, I believe you can do so using a chat tool that you may be able to see uh, adjacent to the video stream and we can't promise we'll have time to answer all of the questions today, Uh, but if you are sticking around afterwards, you may be able to ask those questions directly to our guests uh, in Airmeet. So um, let's begin. uh, if you're planning to become a, a, a counsellor in the United States, my understanding is that at some point in your education, you will need to join one of the uh, 70,000 certified counsellors in taking an NBCC uh, assessment. Could you please start us off by telling us a little bit more about NBCC and what your role
3: is? Oh, thank you. So Jim, NBCC National Board for Certified Counsellors. We are, the, as you said, premier credentialing body for counselors and related professionals. We manage eight testing programs which are offered to more than 50,000 counselors and related professionals every year. Um, We have got two flagship programs. One is NCE uh, and other one is NCMHCE, which is a national mental health counseling examination and i believe we will be talking about that more today
2: yeah. oh well you can you can carry on on that so yeah that's the one that i think you've got you've got quite a new innovative format for it and um yeah if you want to talk that factored into your selection of surpassed and why you needed yeah. something sure. different than you currently have
3: sure so nce national counselors examination it uh, measures how much knowledge the counselors have, so if they are ready for the field, it's a knowledge-based exam. And then NCMHCE, that measures how much prepared the counselors are for applying that knowledge. So it's more the test of application, how they will work in the field. So for this exam, we try to replicate the counseling practices and what um we are introducing the new format in 2022 and the new format has got you know on the upfront it looks simply a narrative and a set of multiple choice questions but actually in that what we call case study comprising both these things a case study is trying to capture how a counselor will be with a client for the whole period. From the time the client enters till the case is either resolved or it is forwarded to some other uh, counselor. That was uh, where the complication come because uh, we want to have three parts. One is when the client is coming in
2: i think i think we we have a graphic for some so james are you okay to bring yes, yes, up you. You. we go yes,
3: thank you so the first part of a case study is the intake where uh, the client is coming telling what the problem is the uh, the counselor is doing the assessment and reaching to some conclusion and then comes the second part where the first counseling session takes place Again, the session is taking place, the client is giving more information, uh, the counselor is suggesting ways to handle the issue. And then we reach to the final stage of the second counseling session, which takes place after some time. So the counselor can check the progress and based on that, reach to some conclusion. Now the complexity in this is that we want a progression, and we do not want the candidates to move back from, uh, you know, session one and session two to intake because we are providing additional information. If they can go back to the first set of questions, they know the answers. So such kind of uh, delicacies it had, which made us explore the market for new item bank and ultimately we reached to BTL because it was providing us the features we were looking for this particular program.
2: Right. Okay. So you've got you're basically you're tracking the the real world scenario but a counselor would be um, treating a patient over a period of time and the, the example yes. we saw there over six over a six week period. You get your initial diagnosis if you like of the patient their situation and then the next section of the test is three weeks later uh, things have progressed with the patient, and then we're giving information about them and ask sorry Isbra, if you could just uh, mute your microphone while i'm by um, responding just thank you <laughs> thank you sorry there was a bit of feedback um so yeah then they go on to the section two part three weeks later they're given new information about the patient And they're able to answer further questions about what they would then do in that position and similarly for example six weeks later so yeah that's it's a very interesting use and you you've used surpass i think in this scenario to build item sets that allow you to track the case study or the um, the initial uh, reference material that the candidates provided and the succession of questions that then relate to that and will always be presented alongside that case study OK, that's that's really interesting. Um, so what I wouldn't mind just asking as well then, I, I don't know, you guys are very new to, I know you only procured Surpass uh, last year. Um, so I'm not 100% how far into its use you are, but um, I know you've used it for authoring. Um, and I think you've just started to look at using the item review tasks. So this is, for those who don't know, this is functionality in Surpass that allows you to sort of manage your SMEs and uh, allocate them uh, a bunch of items to review uh, either by domain or subdomain or whatever. however you want to categorize them. Um, so have you got to that point yet where you're starting to allocate review quotas to your SMEs or are you still evaluating that?
3: Okay. So because we it was a new format and we hired all the new um, item writers so we were not um, sure if the usual practice of one item reviewed by two item reviewers will work. So we added another layer besides the peer review by two item writers. Uh, We introduced mentoring. So what happens uh, that an item is written, then it goes to two reviewers and the mentor is providing support to item writers continuously in this process and once all these three people finish their task mentor go and check if the items are good if they are not the mentor goes back to item writer and the item writer attempts again even if that is not good mentor then sits with two other mentors and they look at the set and decide what to do so okay. it is quite complex in terms of back and forth of comments and do this, and I have done this kind of conversation. Um, I'm really happy that um, Surpass offers multiple ways of this negotiation to go. So we have tried, um, uh, like there is one one copy thing where yeah. everyone is commenting. That's and right. there is, yeah, there is multiple copies where everyone's copy is saved separately, and the mentor can go and check which copy is the best one. Yep. Or these days we are using the feature of notes. We have added yep. that as a tag, and there they are all talking to each other. Okay. So this flexibility was there. Which and uh, you asked that how how far we are. So actually we are very far in that (laughs) thing, because um, we have already finished two cycles of item development. So like, um, around 50 case studies are already developed in the past eight, nine months. So this uh, thing is quite set. Now, um, I was talking to my item bank um, specialist, and I was saying, tell me, where you are after all the experiments, you know. Now you must have reached to one path that this will follow. Okay.
2: So, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. And I'm glad to hear that you're further along with it. So, in fact, we'll come back to uh, Melissa later on this because MBME pretty much wrote the book on single copy versus multiple copy reviews. Uh, but Lynn, I-, I think you guys are at AAN, you're quite seasoned users of the the item review process now in, in surpass and you've now moved to a completely virtual approach for managing that process as i'm sure a lot of organizations have have had to do uh, given the pandemic uh, so could you provide a little bit first of all background about aan and on what you guys do uh, and yourself and then perhaps a, a little bit more information about your item review process
4: Sure. Thanks. It's great to be here today. Um, the AAN is not a board. Obviously, it's an, an association. So our business is all self-assessment. We do self-assessment exams for the entire sort of spectrum, if you will, of neurology, beginning with the residents um, and then you know, all the way through our um, practitioners who are board certified. Um, what I'll talk to you a little bit about today is our resident exam, the RITE, resident and training exam we assess resident progress from second year through fourth year they all take the same exam it's rather a long exam for a self assessment it is a an 8 hour 400 item exam so they all quite live in fear of the exam because it is <laughs> it's a it's a very it's a, of course it's a very stressful it's a very stressful uh, situation for for the residents um in the past, the panel the panel's rather large too because we have eight hundred questions. We have forty members on the review panel and and I've been in self-assessment testing for a couple of decades now and it's rather a large group to manage. in the past, uh, the panel would uh, the the panel would assemble for a day or a day and a half and break out into rooms and uh, be given um, uh, computers and they would work on the AAN database that had all of the questions and they were broken out by content group and they were sort of left on their own to select what however many items they were so, to select for that particular section. Mm-hmm. With the pandemic, of course, there were no in-person meetings for our academy at all. So we had to be switch sort of switch on a dime to figure out you know, what we, what we were gonna do to put the test together because we still had 3,500 residents wanting to take the test last year. Uh, so we, you know, we, we dove into the surpass task function. Uh, I think it was it was an easy lift for me to learn how to do it. It was my first time learning it last year. This is our third year using surpass for um, test, uh, test review and test delivery. Um, It takes a little organization in the front. I I pull together all the content areas, then set up a two-step review process. The first part, all of our our, our exam has uh, 14 different content areas. Each content area has a group of three to five people who are responsible for it. Some people do more than one group. Those, uh, Those content groups were assigned either a reviewer slot or a lead reviewer slot. So the reviewers would have three weeks to go through in surpass um, in the task area and review questions, vote on them, they could make comments on them, they could uh, revise them because there's the ability to track changes. Uh, So three weeks of that kind of review, then the lead assignees would pick up after the assignees were finished and finished voting on the questions, and really sort of look over, you know, the, the we have three people, two people like this question, one person doesn't like this question, go through their item set, uh, and then make a final decision about the question. If there were um, disagreements, we then scheduled a series of Zoom questions, and we took all of the items that were actually approved and we did a very quick review of those because as you all know, SMEs don't like to be on the phone. And I think, you know, Zoom, we're all sort of tired of it. So I, I limited the Zoom calls to 90 minutes to two hours and would get on the phone and say, we have 90 minutes to select and finalize 50 items. So they knew we had to be moving at a pretty good clip. But the task, the, the task functionality in Surpass really allows you to use Zoom very effectively. Uh, the, our, our content experts liked it very much. It was a very smooth, it uh, was a very smooth uh, test assembly process. And it was great because I got to be in every meeting. If everyone, you know, if everyone is together uh, in a room for a couple of days, you, you can't really pay attention to everybody. This was a great opportunity for me, not only to sort of be a better quality control, because as you know, content experts sometimes Get, uh, after about the third hour, they get start getting a little tired. And, oh, yeah, this one's okay. This one's okay. So it helps keep them directed, I think, as well. Uh, it was a good experience. We're just about to launch into another year of, of item selection. Um, my lead assignees are making final decisions on questions. And, again, we'll do Zoom. We're not going back to the meeting format, the in-person meeting format. We're staying with the Zoom and the, and the task functionality in Surpass.
2: That's great. Oh, that's really interesting to hear. And just for those of you who aren't familiar with some of the terms that Lynn was using there, assignees and lead assignees, that's basically your um, your, just your SMEs who are doing all of the item writing um, can have a lower level permission in that they can propose amendments or, sorry, item review uh, tasks. They can, they can propose amendments to items uh, or vote on an item or comment on an item, whether the lead assignee uh, has the permission to actually make a judgment call based on all the feedback from the uh, the different SMEs. Uh, so it's a slightly elevated permission but that's I, I found that fascinating listening to how you guys use all of that functionality in the real world um, as opposed to for us which I'm used to demoing that functionality and hearing how it's used at scale over Zoom um, is is very interesting.
4: Well Jim, in I was a little concerned when I first when we first launched this review process last year because our content experts, um, they are great at concentrating on content, but learning an entire database and how to use it and, and so forth without calling me or calling our staff. What do I do now? It's great. It, you know, it's great and surpassed a landing page for your organization. I put all of the instructions there and did a link to the video on how to actually use the task function as a lead assignee or as an assignee. And would send an email to all of them and said, "Now make sure you watch the video before you do anything." And I think I maybe only got a couple of phone calls. I think it was it was great for them. It was very easy for them to learn. The videos are short; I think five to six minutes. Um, and I, people were really able to use the use the platform without any trouble.
2: That's you made those videos yourself, Lynn. Did you say? What's that? Did you make the videos? Those no, tutorials?
4: no, they're yours. They're yours. They're ours. Okay. They're ours. okay. They're well, yours. that's a great idea. We need to use that.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah, they're yours. <laughs> okay. So that's just the tutorial videos on how to use the various bits of functionality. Yep. Yeah. Right.
4: Okay. I, so, I gave them my instructions, you know, yeah. sort of item writing, sort of the item writing rules and, you know, make sure that it does this, that, and the other thing. But before you launch into making your item review, make sure you're familiar with how the screens work. And everybody did a great job.
2: That's brilliant. That's really good to hear. Um, We definitely need to have a look at how you've done that with the the Surpass homepage. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, Okay. so just uh, moving on, if I could. So it must be quite interesting, I think, for Melissa, uh, hearing how everyone else is using this functionality, which you guys dreamed up. I don't say dreamed up. That's not fair. (laughs) You you helped design and uh, come up with the implementation for it in Surpass. I mean, I I suspect that no one will need much of an introduction for MBME, you're a very well known certification board, but perhaps if you could uh, just start off by telling people a little bit about what you guys do, and what your role is, and then if you could expand on, on what Lynn's discussed there and talk about, you know, where you've been with scaling up and virtualizing your item writing and reviewing process during covid
0: Sure. Um, I'm Melissa Billings. I'm the director of test development technology at MBME. Um, we are responsible for developing the USMLE licensure exam for medical students here in the United States. And we do a number of examinations geared toward medical students, um, self-assessments uh, like organizations like Lynn um, and uh, board certification examinations. Um, So we work with a number of different groups um, through the year. Um, We work directly with 500 health professionals from more than 175 medical organizations and institutions uh, in any given year. Um, And interestingly enough, I think tasks um, and the development of tasks and the fact that we've sort of been the early adopters of that technology has really helped us um, switched to fully remote meetings this year, even as it was sort of a new thing for the majority of our SME committees, um, even though we had conducted a few virtual meetings in the past. Sorry, um, Melissa,
2: I, do you mind if I just, just before you move on sure. to the, the tasks, and I know I do really want to hear this, but we have this, um, this queued up. So we thought it may help just to set the scene for people who aren't, certainly those who aren't US based to understand where the USMLE fits in with the, the medical assessment journey and the importance of it and the prevalence of it in, in the US. So um, I don't know if you can see right now, uh, James yes. has brought up a, a diagram which shows um, where the, the undergraduate starts off with doing obviously your pre-med degree and then the, the MCAT, the Medical Co- uh, College Admissions Test. And then during the uh, medical school, uh, during the second entry degree, you start doing the USMLE. I think is it, it's a three-stage exam and the first two parts are during medical school. Is that correct?
0: That's correct. So while they're doing um, medical school, they're taking the the first two portions of the exam. They step one and step two, and then they go into the graduate level education into the residency um, and then take um, step three exam, which allows for unsupervised practice um, following the residency, um, following a fellowship subspecialty, depending on the track that the medical school student is taking.
2: And then that actually brings us on to after we've done, um, that exam has been taken, um, then these in training examinations or in residency examinations, such as the ones that AAN, that Lynn was talking about AAN, then they come into play and are being delivered, um, I believe, at the end of each residence, re- residency year, but um, please correct me if I'm wrong there, Lynn. Depends.
0: Oh okay. yeah,
4: it de- it depends uh, for for us the uh first year residents don't sit for the in training exam they simply haven't had enough education yet. They they take the residency exam uh years 2, 3 and 4.
2: Okay, right. And then after that it's then special board certification, certification then it yeah, and then and it's board certification. Correct. Okay, right. Sorry Melissa, I kind of cut you off. I should, No, hurry. it's quite alright. <laughs> So you were talking about tasks and and how it kind of, you know, it it was something that was quite new for you at the time.
0: Yes, I think, um, you know, for us, collaboration plays a key role in every aspect of MBME's work, whether it's, you know, working with medical school faculty to develop develop our exam questions or collecting feedback from practicing physicians or med students around the country. Um, And I think just to give you an idea of our pre- pandemic process, MBME has an entire floor uh, in our headquarters dedicated to committee conference space. (laughs) And each room is outfitted with multiple screens and AV equipment to facilitate review uh, of items for committees for as small as five people or as many as 30 people uh, on one committee. Uh, You know, and for many of our committee members, the experience of coming to Philadelphia for a meeting in our facility is something that people look forward to. Um, So switching to tasks, um, we had to find a way to to keep our SMEs engaged. Um, So we'd we'd already been working in surpass tasks for many of our in-person meetings, actually. Um, Our SMEs are assigned a a task um, with a a collection of items that they work on ahead of time um, prior to a meeting, and then when they come to our facility, an MBME editor facilitates um, a meeting and makes the edits to the items on the large screen in real time. Um, And then the committee members can have their own tasks open on the screen to follow along. Um, And so, you know, therefore the, the change with the pandemic was fairly straightforward for us. We, they were, the committees were already somewhat mostly working in tasks. We just moved all of the committees into surpass tasks for the meetings and we facilitated them over Zoom. Um, you know, keeping in SMEs engaged during a remote meeting um was a bit tougher, but we think that the transition was fairly smooth. And I think like Lynn, we we've shortened um our meeting times a little bit and that helped. Um but I think you know we've we've kind of proven that we can basically use the same item review process both in person and remotely. Um and our SME committees therefore now have more choices as to how we'll conduct the meetings in the future. Um, some committees have opted to return to in-person meetings with others expressing a desire to stay remote. So I think being able to offer this kind of choice just adds value to the committee experience. That's
2: great. And would you do a mix? So is it always going to be uh, one committee is entirely in-person or entirely remote?
0: We actually already been doing a mix. Um, we had been kind of doing item review meetings more in-person and form review meetings um, remotely. Um, And I think that, um, you know, we can offer the choice of of either um, now, whichever works best for the committees.
2: Okay. Okay. So I'm going to just shift gears slightly now because um, I know I've talked a little bit about how MBME were quite integral to the item writing and reviewing tasks, but um, I don't know if anyone is aware of this, but uh, both our panelists and anyone who's listening, but MBME have what we call a sponsored scrum team at, at BTL. And um, that means they basically, um, we they have their own roadmap and they have a, their own development team that's dedicated to the features and enhancements that they want. So um, a lot of the things that we've been talking about have been a re, as a result of the MBME scrum team, the sponsored scrum team. Uh, and I think one of the most recent things is, is standard setting, which we're going to come on to uh, shortly. But just in general terms, uh, if you wouldn't mind, Melissa, if you just talk us about know what benefits do you feel that's brought to you that sponsored scrum team and you know how how useful have you found it in in helping to propel the product forward in the way you wanted it to
0: yeah i think it's been essential um to the direction that we've gone in um you know we're in year five now of of our collaboration together um i think developing modules in surpass like surpass tasks which can be used for multiple uses um developing the standard setting module so that can be done online. Um, previously we had a, a fairly manual kind of old school process for that. Um, and I think some of the improvements that we've helped to can to collaborate on um, within the item authoring and banking section, the search capability, um, the item collection list capability, um, some of those other things that were um you know, somewhat carryovers from our legacy systems, but also we've been able to make improvements on a number of those things. And we're still working to make improvements, um, uh, in different ways, um, with tasks, with search and lists with, with other things in the system. So, um, yeah, we're, we're happy to have partnered, um, to, to integrate these things into the system.
2: And it is a it is a great partnership in the sense of, you know, you guys clearly have the expertise on the processes, um, but from our side, although we work in the assessment industry, we're technologists first, predominantly at BTL, um, and, you know, we're all about uh, intuitive uh, user uh, software design and making sure that although we're designing something that is fitting your specific process designs, it, it's g- as generic and as intuitive as possible yeah. for any kind of um, you know variation of that particular process. So what I wanted to do right now, if that's okay, is just uh, segue slightly into one of the developments which you guys introduced recently, which was or last year, which was the uh, standard setting task. So we've talked about the item writing task, we've talked about the item review task. The next task that got added in was the standard setting task, and. Um, to do this, we have one of our psychometric service partners who recorded a nice little segment for us earlier. So this is uh, Amanda Danis uh, from Danis & Co. with a very brief explanation of
5: how the standard setting functionality or tasks work in Surpass. One of the unique pieces of the Surpass standard setting tool is the task function. This allows the administrator to assign a specific list of items to be rated by each SME and for that SME to easily see their assignment. They can view how many items they are assigned and how long they have to complete the assignment. SMEs can only see their own tasks when they log into Surpass, but the administrator can see all of the tasks for all of the SMEs and therefore can monitor and even nudge the experts as needed. Once they click on a task to begin, the item is presented as a candidate will see it. The SME can enter their initial ANGOP rating in the upper right corner and then submit their rating. The tool then easily moves on to the next item in their task. Depending on how the administrator sets up the task for the SMEs, the tool has the functionality to present different types of standard-setting processes, one that requires initial and revised ratings, one that only allows the SME to progress forward through their item list, and one that even presents the psychometric statistics that may be available for that item. Each SME can also view the performance data of each question, if the item has been operational or beta tested. The settings can be configured to allow this data to be viewed or not depending on the standard setting method being applied. It's also possible to flag an item, which is handy since SMEs may have some comments about the item itself. This allows the psychometrician and certification staff to review the feedback for the item set and it's stored in the item banking metadata. Once all of the SMEs have completed their tasks, the administrator can export the ratings into Excel to then be analyzed using the application of their choice. That was great. OK, thank you very much to Amanda Danis for that. That was much appreciated. Um, so, um,
2: Isabel, I know you won't. Be using this functionality quite yet, since you're you're just at the end of the evaluation of the item review functionality. Uh, but uh, Lynn, uh, Melissa, is this something uh, you guys are using already?
4: Oh, standard setting, no. We are fully uh, self-assessment exams, so we are. You know, it's there's no standard setting or pass score really for
0: our exams. Okay, understood. understood. <laughs> uh, yes, we are. We are using this. We. We collaborated with YouTube to design this, um, and um, I think uh, we, we just started to pilot it with a number of exams um, in in our organization. Um, and I think that um, there, you know, might be some additional improvements we'll be working on with the with the development teams over time. But so far, so good uh, with the with the piloting.
2: That's good, and that segues nicely onto my my next question, which is what next for the the MBME-sponsored Scrum team? So you talked about some enhancements to uh, the standard setting. Is there any sort of other big, juicy uh, capabilities or enhancements you're looking to introduce in the near future?
0: Yeah, I mean, always juicy, right? <laughs> um, so you know, our our vision at MBME is to improve healthcare around the world through assessment, and we continue to work with BTL to further enhance the task module. Um, recently, we prioritized a backlog of features specific to facilitating form review and pool review meetings, um, because MBME uses Surpass for item authoring and banking, but we have our own proprietary delivery driver. For us, the form construction and review process happens at the end of the item authoring cycle, um, not at the beginning of the delivery cycle. Therefore, um, we plan to work with BTL to develop features that are specific to form review and pool review facilitation Support um, things, for instance, that will enable um, filtering of items within a task by tags or classifications. Um, the ability to replace items um, and make item, uh, you know, swaps. Um, the ability to create a new item, um, a successor item, from if we need to make a change to an item that has statistics right within the task, um, and a few other things that I think we feel are specific to item collections that already can contain statistics. So. Um, you know, we're working with BTL to develop a cross organizational development team, um, also that will consist of MBME developers as well as BTL developers working on code and surpass, uh, to allow for increased support of our task development needs and uh, further integration with our internal test construction and delivery systems.
2: That's great, that's really exciting, and um, I, I was, I was, you know really keen to hear. I, I, you told me about this new development, about doing the, the test form reviews uh, within the tasks um, the other day, and I was very excited, and I'm still very excited now hearing you say it again, and I think maybe uh, Isber as well, because yeah. I've spoken to numerous other organizations who have asked for that kind of functionality, so to hear that it's going to be something that's of interest to others is great, and I should just add that if anyone wants to collaborate with MDME, um on those developments and make sure that it's um you know designed with with consideration of other processes then um please speak to us let us know and we'll we'll facilitate an introduction there to see if we can arrange some conversations okay um so now we're going to be moving over very shortly to our our uk uh, royal medical colleges and we're going to be talking much more about test delivery there but before i do i do think some of our viewers may be interested to hear how the uh, boards we have here on this panel uh, are using surpass from a test delivery perspective because I don't know if you three are all aware of this, but you all have completely different approaches uh, mm-hmm. to each other. So, um, Isba, can I start with you? How are you currently delivering? What's your test driver using? What test
5: delivery venue?
3: So, um, our vendor for test administration is Pearson Vue, and we are delivering their uh, our tests in their test centers as well as um, online, but. Okay. This month, we are moving to Surpass Test Driver for um, publishing two examinations. So we are very excited. Uh, and let us see how it goes. It's um, everything is done. Just this week, our team has to check how the exam look from the candidate's perspective, and then it's open to the candidates. That's
2: great. OK. Yeah but how how often if you don't ask how often are you publishing into Pearson currently into the the Pearson uh
3: okay so we planned to publish like 24 25 times but planning didn't work this year you know (laughs) (laughs) so the online examinations and then the new thing um which is coming up now the candidates are asking for accommodations Okay. our online examination that is additional feature so we are making more publications to make accommodations okay. um so now I can say at least 10 publications have got added for this year
2: oh okay wow okay um and, and Melissa again you you've talked about your own proprietary driver technology I believe you're delivering into parametric. Test- <laughs>
0: Yeah, so as I mentioned before, we have a proprietary test construction and delivery system um, as we have extremely complex classification and metadata schema. So, you know, our goal is to bring medical school faculty and administrators online tools and resources to improve the candidates' test administration experiences. And I think we've been making enhancements uh, on our side based on their input and continuous improvement opportunities. Um, yeah, we have multiple suites of exams, um, that are, are published on different schedules. Prometric does deliver our exams, uh, using our proprietary driver at their testing centers. Um, and, um, that's kind of all I can share on that,
5: okay. uh, that front.
0: Um, but yeah, so that's been working well for us so far. We've, you know, Integrated a way to to pull items from Surpass uh, into our driver and produce a package to send to Prometric.
2: Okay, that's great. And then finally, Lynn, you again, different from those, you are using you're using the whole of Surpass, you're using the end-to-end Surpass system, aren't you? You're, you're building the content, you're self-publishing, and then you're delivering uh, the, in the test driver into the medical schools and teaching hospitals around the country. So you've you've had it. You've passed instructions to the various schools to install how to install the test driver and it, pre-COVID, how to install the lockdown um, application. Um, so how's that, how's that been for you?
4: Well, because of COVID, we, we made a switch last year from the lockdown secure client delivery platform to the web-based platform because so many of the schools had no capability to administer the test in a controlled environment. Although I will say that I, I, most of the schools found a way to have their residents come in and take the test. Now, they were not all in a conference room or all in a testing center. They were spread around in different physician offices and so forth. But the web-based delivery system, we were we weren't quite sure how that would work. But we compared data from 2020 and 2021, and it didn't seem that there was any uh, anything really different about uh, delivering the test that way. You know, we are, again, it's a self-assessment exam, so we are not, it's not high-stakes certification, licensure, so we're not so, we have no, um, you know, we have no, um, we have some statistical data, but we're not tracking it like you would for a high-stakes exam. The web delivery system worked very well, and I think we're going to continue with that because it gives our it gives our medical schools, and they all do it a little bit differently. We don't have very much control over how those exams are administered, and they like it much better. Um, it's easier for them, and so I think we're going to continue with that kind of delivery.
2: Okay, very interesting. Okay, so um, we are we've run over a bit, and I'm conscious that we do have other guests to come on, but before we do. Lynn, I, in our pre-conference chat or pre-webinar chat, you told me about a new self-assessment uh, phone app that you guys have been working on. And I, I thought it was very interesting. If you could just share a few, sure. um, a few comments about that, that'd be great.
4: Sure. Our, uh, our board and our education committee were very keen to offer our members uh, micro-learning opportunities. One of those opportunities is falls under my purview and is we've developed a phone app that delivers a CME question every day. Call it question of the day. Um, we use previously used uh, self-assessment exams to load the content. Um, It's, it's proved to be quite popular and we have daily uses of 2000 members using that app every day out of our, you know, we have um, 18,000 members. So we have quite a nice uh, percentage of people having a CME, um, having a CME experience every day. We've developed teams. So, Physicians are creating teams and competing against one another. We also have a we also have a separate track for medical students. It's a whole separate track of questions for medical students. It's getting them involved in our what we call our pipeline, you know, to, to succession plan for neurology. So um, the app is uh, is working very well. And, and Jim, as I mentioned to you earlier, we will be moving all of the content. Because it's currently in many different places. So we're move- I'm moving all of the content into Surpass, and we're going to be managing the content development and review processes in Surpass, even though we will not be delivering it. Obviously, in Surpass, it's delivered, delivered through the phone.
2: Yes. No, I fully endorse that decision. That's a a good one. Um, yeah. Thank you very much for that. I, I unfortunately, I think we're going to have to uh, leave it there. But if I, is there more information that uh, our viewers could find out about that self-assessment app, the question today, is it on your website at all? Or
4: Yes, it is on our website and I can send a link to you and you can. And I'm happy. You know, I'm happy to have you share that.
2: Okay, great. Well, perhaps in the magic of post-editing, it will flash up on screen in the recorded uh, session.
4: Oh, (laughs) yes, good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, great. So um, thank you very much uh, to to all of you for joining me and for the very, very interesting discussion. I'm just so sorry that I've had to cut it a bit short, Uh, although uh, (laughs) I think we probably could have talked for hours, if allowed. So um, now, uh, before we move over to the test delivery section, uh, just to uh, let everyone know, if you have asked any questions and we've not got round to answer them, don't worry, we will do either via email or perhaps if you're in our meet later. Um, So don't worry, we will get answers to your questions. Um, Before we now move into this next section, we thought for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with remote proctoring, um, well firstly, how is that possible? Uh, Where have you been hiding in
5: the last 12 months? And secondly, here's a short video that will hopefully bring you up to speed.
1: In simple terms, online invigilation is the use of web cameras and intelligent applications to allow monitoring of a candidate's test in a remote location. Born from the convergence of global access to reliable high-speed internet, smartphone technology and high-quality web cameras. Online invigilation tests can be watched live or be reviewed after the test by an experienced professional invigilator. Both models allow for the test to be recorded and played back for review. In both cases, the candidate's exam interactions and testing environment are monitored to ensure test security is never compromised. Our online invigilation service goes far beyond other standard online invigilation services available on the market. First of all, we can provide a combined test delivery and online invigilation service. Secondly, our solution makes use of the candidate's smartphone to enhance exam monitoring. This additional camera angle benefits both the candidate and the testing organisation. For a full demonstration of online invigilation with Surpass, contact our team who are ready to help.
2: Okay, thank you. And uh, now welcome to my new guests, uh, Dan Crane, oh sorry Stephen Costello from the Royal <laughs> College of Ophthalmologists and we did have Dan Crane from the Royal College of Paediatrics and Child Health but we don't anymore unfortunately he's been called away uh, so I believe Sharon um do we have Sharon here as well to join us from RCPCH yeah hi. hi Sharon okay great um so um if it's okay guys we're now going to focus on the test delivery aspect that remote proctoring video has given us a, a little bit of a Um, a background on on what the main focus will be. Uh, Perhaps Dylan, if you could just start us off by providing a short introduction about yourself and your organisation
6: for our viewers. Thanks, Jim. Um, I'm Dylan Costello, I'm the Head of Examinations at the Royal College of Ophthalmologists in the UK. Um, Our organisation basically provides the gold standard uh, postgraduate qualification for ophthalmologists in the UK uh, to take on consultant positions in the NHS. And also, we get a, quite a high um, interest from overseas candidates as well, because our qualifications are recognised by the GMC, the General Medical Council of the UK, for practising ophthalmology in the UK.
2: Okay, and then in terms of how you guys are using uh, Surpass, it's almost—I think—it's uh, like the exact opposite of how the US guys were, were using it. Um, your, your, the
6: test delivery side. Yeah, so we have a we have a combination. So all of our exams are created um, in a, another electronic exam provider called Ripley Systems. So we use that system to put the exams together, create the uh, exam papers, the questions, the question editing, all the logistics involved in the actual delivery of the examination. Once the examination papers have been completed in Ripley's, we we press a button essentially and it gets transported across to the surplus system. And then through the surplus system, the exam is delivered to candidates globally um, in their own homes with the um, online invigilation proctoring system used. Basically, exactly what you saw in that little introduction video just now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Very handy. Um, yeah. So um, could you tell us a bit more about how, because I know prior to the pandemic, I think, please correct me if I'm wrong on this, Dylan, but I think you uh, were doing private sort of test center delivery um yeah. and, um but still doing it's still all on screen but then obviously because of the pandemic you then looked at uh, remote proctoring so how how did the shift go was it a was it a step by step shift did you go wholesale one it was example a very
6: quick shift i have to say because uh, yeah it was actually just before the pandemic arrived in uh, march 2020 as we all know we were um, we had just um signed a contract with BTL to move our written exams um into a delivery method with them in, in done through test centers. Um, that was already just about to go to be delivered through test centers, and then COVID arrives, and we had to do some quick thinking about how we continued to deliver our exams during this pandemic, of which we didn't know obviously which end date there was going to be. Um, essentially, we had to cancel our exams for a, a total of seven months. while we kind of went back to the drawing board and had to redesign. of our written and practical exams from scratch to be able to relaunch them in a pandemic environment now for our written exams that were to be delivered through test centres via BTL we adopted the online um, invigilation method Um, we tested it thoroughly over the summer of 2020 and then we finally went live in October 2020 with quite a bumper written exam for which we had Three times the amount of candidates we would usually have for that exam due to the cancelled exams that we had. And it all launched really successfully. And we've been That's continuing great. to deliver uh, these online exams with the same effort for the past nine months now. And
2: well, so, so given that it's been so successful then, um, are you looking to continue with remote proctoring now? Well, as social distancing is relaxed uh, internationally in different uh, areas, or will you? Yeah, what's are you going to look for a hybrid model? What's your your thinking on this? So we we thought about it a lot, um, but to be honest, the online um,
6: invigilation, the remote proctoring, has been so successful for us for us in many ways. Most namely, um, we've seen an exponential increase in the number of candidates that are now taking our written exams, and this is even after factoring clearing and the backlog of the candidates that were cancelled from the cancelled exams last year. Uh, We've seen a 50 to 100% increase, um, which is continuing with the exam that happened yesterday. Um, We had a a 75% increase on the number of candidates we would usually get for this exam. Um, It's just provided a much, much wider global reach for our exams, which is just a win-win situation. And I think... Regardless of when the pandemic ends, or if it ends, um, we will stick to the online proctoring model for the foreseeable future, and we're probably not going to adopt a hybrid, and go to test center delivery or mixture of both. We're gonna we're gonna stick to the online proctoring. We've worked really hard at it over the last year, and it, it's just being delivered so successfully now that we we'd be mad not to not to keep it.
2: That's really encouraging to hear. Um, So I think, um, I feel, so so just for our viewers' benefit, uh, originally uh, Dan Crane was going to attend from RCPCH and Dan works on the test delivery side of things and um, Sharon has very kindly uh, stepped in in Dan's absence, but Sharon's uh, area of expertise is more on the test, more of what we heard in the first part of this, which was the test development side. So I'm not going to ask you too many questions on test delivery, Sharon, because I know that's not where your your comfort zone is. But um, so firstly... Listening to the Americans, our American colleagues and partners talk about their test development processes, I'm interested, is it very similar for you or do you, did, you, did you think, wow, there's some stark differences in how our respective organisations um, manage a test item writing and item reviewing and standard setting?
7: Yeah, I think the biggest difference for us was that um, most of our clinicians want to come back to live question reviewing meetings Okay. With the the American counterparts, I think they were quite keen to keep it remote, but the processes are the same. But um, I think we have we have bigger review groups, and we have them quite often. And um, and also, I'm not sure whether they um, whether we 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 don't use the test uh, function um, yet. We are actually looking. We're just looking into that to start reviewing questions into that. And I think the other thing was that SCORM team that they were talking about is something that we might want to look into to help oh, the, okay. the team to, to sort of start helping us develop.
2: Right, OK. So oh, okay. Development.
7: Yeah, That's I good. didn't know BTL had that. So oh, that, OK,
2: right, yeah. well, there yeah. we go. That's the purpose of these sessions. I'm glad uh, we've now made you aware, and we'll definitely have follow-up conversations about that. So I, I don't know, Sharon, are you able to comment at all on, um, on RCPCH's position on remote proctoring and test centres. Because unlike um, the Royal College of Ophthalmology, uh, you guys have continued with a hybrid model. I think where where lockdowns have permitted or where lockdowns haven't existed, you've gone to socially distanced test centres mm-hmm. uh, and then offered as an additional um, um, option um, to to do remote proctoring as well. And there's been some regions that have taken that up more than others. Is that? Yeah. Is that how, do you know if you if RCPCH are going to continue along those lines or what the demand is from candidates?
7: A huge demand, just like Dylan, the, the numbers have just spiked up. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, we, it's just you know it's gone up. I would say about twenty percent, so it's quite high for us.
5: Yeah, you know,
7: um, at the moment, I know the next diet we're going to do a hybrid. If nothing changes, if no government regulations comes in, there's not, no change. We will go for the hybrid. I think there's a lot of advantages to do remote proctoring for overseas candidates. Okay.
2: Yeah.
7: But besides, like I can't really comment. I really don't know okay. where you know where the development team is.
2: That's towards. fine. Well, because what you d- you've done, which is uh, I, I could argue is even better and I'll tell you why in it shortly, mm-hmm. is that you've arranged for us to have a candidate uh, talk to us uh, mm-hmm. and explain what they thought about the remote proctoring Process Now, I I managed to speak with this candidate this morning, uh, uh, Prabhakaran, uh, uh, who's based out in in India, Um, Mm -hmm. and um, it was very, very, it was like a 15-20 minute conversation we had, and so I can't show it here, we haven't got time, but um, I've thought, I've asked uh, if we can just share a few minutes so you can get a glimpse of, of what his thoughts were which we don't know is, if is um, reflective of you know, your entire cohort, but um, it's a very interesting feedback nonetheless. Um, so if we could, we could play that footage now.
8: And this should be the way we should be going about with uh, advances in technologies, which we have uh, in this 21st century, right? You yeah. should still do not feel, uh, what to say, to be, We need not uh, be very classical about these exams anymore. It's time to innovate that field also, right? So I'm really glad that uh, RCTC has come up with such an innovative idea. But uh, to be frank, I was a little nervous because I haven't done this before. But uh, let's say uh, we should have a beginning for everything, right? I felt the same way.
2: Let's talk about then the actual process of um, going through your kind of registration on the remote proctoring software uh, and then launching the exam. and uh, and whether that went smoothly from a technical perspective whether it was intuitive um all of that kind of stuff
8: yeah let me list it out for you first the registration process was absolutely beautiful it went away smoothly no issues with the payment and uh, i got the test center of my choice initially because i had chosen for a phys- direct physical examination you know, rather than online invigilation. but uh, due to the second wave of covid pandemic uh, my test center was closed and i had to take up the online invigilation. So I like, uh, went about it. I thought I would do the online examination and, and I'll complete the exams rather than postponing it. So that's the reason why I took my online examination as a choice. So that was all. Everything was smooth. The link they sent uh, to my emails to check my system, to check my internet. Everything was so beautiful and well-organized, actually. So Except for the thing that <laughs> it was new. Uh, the rest of the other things were okay. Uh, but uh, one hard thing I had found was... Uh, uh until a day before examination actually i haven't received my exam link so i felt a bit anxious and i had to contact the r c p c exams team but uh, i should say it really they were uh, quite responsive actually um they just responded within a few hours that you have already sent your exam link kindly check through your mail inbox again once again or in the trash section um, to my surprise they had sent it uh they had sent it already actually it was 48 hours earlier they had sent it as they had promised in their uh in the website, actually, so everything
5: was fine. Actually, that was great. Thank you for organizing that, Sharon.
7: That's really uh, um, it would be really nice for the exams team to watch that. I think they worked so hard. Remote okay. to, to hear that. I think they'll be really.
2: I will share. Well, we, we've got much more, so I will share. Mm-hmm. We'll share that. I will probably put it uh, because uh, probably Karen kindly allowed us to to put it onto our website. That was great. So we'll, Thank you. We'll finish editing it together, make sure all the bad bits are out. And <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a very, very positive session in yeah. general. And for us as well, and myself personally, I I do find it a real treat when we get to hear from or speak to mm. candidates because we're, we're usually one, two steps removed from the candidate directly. We hear more from awarding organisations and sometimes centres, but not so often the candidates. So it was great listening to all of that. And um, I will just say for full disclosure, because when we, we will put out the video, when Prabhakaran was talking about the rest of the experience, he did go on to say he had two sessions, one in the morning and one in the afternoon. And the first session, he did have several technical problems where, um, so it was, the, it was the two camera approach and the he said the mobile phone um, camera view cut out uh, a couple of times. Yeah. Uh, and then he said in the afternoon, then he had internet drop out a couple of times. But he said, although there was technical problems, he said on both occasions, the remote proctoring service staff and the RCPCH exam team were so supportive and reassuring. It really actually allayed all of his concerns, made him realise that he could have extra time if he'd lost any time, all of that kind of stuff. And he said at the end of it, he was just really happy. He didn't feel like he had been compromised in any way because of those issues. and. Crucially, he'd been allowed to take an exam, which he otherwise would have had to postpone, and he yeah. really didn't want to because he prepared for it all. So, yeah. I think it was—it's a fascinating interview, and I look forward to to uh, sharing that back with you and everyone else uh, in future. Mm-hmm. So, we have really little time left, and there is one big thing that I wanted to cover. Say big—it's uh, perhaps not in the area of surpass, uh, just it's big in in terms of area of interest, and that's uh, what uh, RCOP, uh, sorry, uh, Royal College of Ophthalmologists uh, have done with their OSCEs. Um, in trying to uh, manage the, the new social distancing and various lockdown measures that have been in place. So, Dylan, could you? we have some images which we can support you with here, but could you tell uh, our viewers a little bit about what you've done with your OSCEs?
6: Yeah, so we never considered um, for a moment to be able to try and deliver the OSCEs virtually online. That just was not going to work for us. Um, so we basically had to pause our OSCE exams for a few months, like our written exams, and find a way to re-deliver them uh, in this pandemic environment because our OSCEs rely on using real-life patients. Um, Now, these images that you're seeing here um, for our refraction certificate examination, usually in that chair would be sat a real-life patient for which the trainee would come and measure the refraction um, in their eyes, which is the the task that they need to do for the examination. Now, because of the pandemic, we could not use real-life patients, so we had to come up with an alternative which was this, which we nicknamed Jason from Friday the 13th. It's slightly <laughs> scary, um, but they work really well. Um, so behind that mask are two model eyes, uh, retinoscopy simulators. The candidates will peer through those eye sockets with their retinoscopes as they would um, if there was a real-life patient there peering into a patient's eyes, and they will measure the refractions that have been preset in those model eyes, and then input them into the iPad for the exam. We've been running the exam in this format since last December, and it's running very, very well um, as an alternative to using real life patients for our OSCEs. Um, for our other exam, which is our Part 2 FRC OF oral, which uses real life patients as a different type of exam, we replaced real life patients with videos on iPads. So we basically during the pandemic, uh, met up with a lot of patients. We organized some filming sessions. We filmed with our eye conditions through specialist filming equipment for a, a specialist slit lamp and created these very detailed in-depth videos that we present on iPads. So when a candidate goes into a booth in the olden days, BC before COVID, they would um, see three different patients, but now they're presented with three different videos instead um, as an alternative. But our, exam, our OSCE exams still take place in person, um, just with these kind of replacements for the real-life patient experience.
2: That's really innovative. I, I, I'm sure we could probably talk about that, or OSCEs in general. Uh, I have a whole dedicated session on that. And Sharon, I'm conscious that that's not, you're not going to be able to talk to that, so I won't ask you. Sorry, but,
7: tell me but, even worse.
2: <laughs> it's, it's okay, though. Don't worry at all, because, um, I mean, we have use all the time that we had allocated for this. So I will just say very quickly, um, but uh, thank you uh, to yourselves, to Dylan, and to, to Sharon, uh, and to all my guests previously. Melissa is Berlin, uh, as well as Amanda from Danis, and uh, uh, Prabhakaran, uh, the RCPCH candidate, for all your contributions. I'm sorry that I'm rushing to get to the end of this. I'm sure other people have meetings uh, that they need to get to as well. So if you do want to stick around and you are available, and uh, we are going to be an air meet after this, if you signed up for it, you should have a link. And we'll be able to talk directly there. Otherwise, uh, we hope to see you again soon on a Surpass Community event. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jim. Thank you.
7: Bye. bye
4: We hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast. To keep up to date with the latest information from our Surpass Community, visit Surpass.com. We'll be
5: back with another podcast soon. Thank you for listening.